0: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to First Things First. I'm Jenna Wolf. That is Nick Wright. Sarah Kustak is with us this good morning. To be. What up, Kustak? How, how are, you?
1: are you
2: doing? Good to see you.
1: Good to see you. You're
0: tan. I'm tan. Yeah. We're all tan. It's
1: the, t- you know, a little post Super Bowl time. I the like sun. it. We're glowing Absolutely, this yes. morning. Lots to do. <laughs>
0: if we do say so ourselves. Greg Jennings is going to stop by in a little bit to talk about the latest Dak Prescott contract news, but we are going to start this morning in the NBA with a little good news, bad news for the Philadelphia 76. Sixers. Bad news is Ben Simmons will reportedly miss an undetermined amount of time due to a back injury with a more concrete timeline most likely coming later today. Good news, Joel Embiid is still on the team. The Sixers' big man went off for a career-high 49 points last night to go along with 14 rebounds. Philly topped Atlanta 129-112 to 112 in the process. Mm-hmm. Nick, you trust Joel Embiid to carry the Sixers with Ben Simmons out for who knows how long at this point?
1: Well, if there's ever a time for your second-best player to suffer an injury, for Philly, now would be the time. Over the next 10 games, they play seven games against bottom feeders in the league. They have they have two games in L.A. against the two L.A. teams, but those games are sandwiched around Cleveland, the Knicks, the Kings, the Warriors, Detroit, Washington. So I think Philly's not going to plummet in the standings. They might actually rise a bit in the standings because they're, they're in that quagmire in the middle of the Eastern Conference. But I I want Joel Embiid to be one of my favorite players. Going into this year, I thought he yeah, would be he did. one. I thought he, I mean, when you go 27 and a half, 14 rebounds a game last year and your team is this close to maybe making the NBA Finals, certainly this close to making the Eastern Conference Finals, I expected Joel to take the next step. To And if you're going 28 and 14, the next step's 30 and 15. And that is the step where you are one of the three best players in the league, maybe the best player in the league. Instead, he took a step back, and instead he you know, he flirts with the idea he's the best player in the world and then gets embarrassed by the actual best player in the world. And then against a terrible Atlanta defense, he shows you all the different things he can do, and he preens and he, and he does his Joel Embiid stuff, which I actually really like if you are getting, not 49 every night, but if you know what you're gonna get from him every night. So that's a long way to not answer your question. Do I trust Joel Embiid? The answer is no, I don't trust him. I want to trust him, and I know how good he can be. And when he's feeling great, Sarah, he can do things like this. He can be one of the most fun players in the league. But to be one of the five or six best players in the world, which he should be, you need a level of consistency that at this point in his career he hasn't demonstrated, certainly not this season.
2: And I would say that is partly because of health and just not knowing how much he's going to be on the floor. To me, I can't necessarily rely on this Philadelphia team as a whole. And when you ask, can you rely on on Joel Embiid to help them take a deep playoff run or a playoff run, I, I think the biggest question has always been about this team. They've got such a high upside but the fit, the fit between Joel and Ben Simmons. I love Joel Embiid as a player. I love Ben Simmons as a player. I don't love them together as a player. And I think a lot of people, you look at the numbers even, and it's amazing that you have two extraordinary players that on the floor together, the numbers are so different than when they are on the floor on their own. I think the one positive for Philadelphia, take a look, I think getting home court and getting one of those top four seeds, or the four seed, I should Mm -hmm. say, they're a half game now behind Miami. Right. It's going to be critical. Both, both you could say about Miami and Philadelphia, but play so much better at home than they do on the road. Additionally, I kind of like this for, I don't know if Elton Brand in the front office of Philadelphia, is looking at it. I kind of like the fact they're going to have an opportunity to take a look at the team and what it looks like without Ben Simmons.
1: So that's really the most important part of this because and I know that's where you were going to go, Jenna, because the Sixers, listen, this is it, the season's not over, but their championship to me, Asper are like this is a going to be a lost season I wonder what it means for Brett Brown and I know today after a day when Joel scores 49 it's not what Philly fans want to hear but it's the reality of the situation the silver lining for them is it, the Brett Brown decision this summer might be an easy one should we move on from one of our two foundational pieces is a much much more difficult one but you are now going to get a free look. You are now going to get a free look at what would, what could this team be if we moved Simmons, which to me is the far more likely piece to be moved. I think moving Joel would be insane because he does have league MVP upside and because his issue is health and maybe conditioning as opposed to a refusal to do a fundamental basketball thing like shoot the basketball. And so to see the Philly team without Simmons for a month when Joel knows, it is time for a playoff push, what they look, what Joel and Tobias Harris look like as a one-two punch when Tobias is paid like he should be able to be a competent secondary option. What the team looks like where it has more spacing in crunch time because whomever is out there playing de facto point guard is going to give you more spacing than Ben did. I think that actually could be very instructive for the team as far as their future plans because I don't see them having the ability to go on a deep playoff run this year even if Simmons comes back healthy. And,
2: and to me, Joel, Looks like, sorry to cut you off, Jenna, a more motivated player. When Ben Simmons is not on the floor with him. And I think to your point, just the other, the question too about this team with Jimmy Butler having been gone, who's the closer? Who's the go to guy at the fourth quarter? I think this unlocks a lot of the potential of some of these other players and how they attack things in the closing minutes of games when Ben Simmons isn't available. And I'll say it again, I love Ben Simmons as a player. I think he's going to be, continue to improve, continue to get better. But I think in the construct of what this roster looks like with Philadelphia, it is very hard to make maximize both he and Joel to the best of their ability.
0: And that's why it's a blessing in disguise. You talk so much, what's the problem with this team? They're so inconsistent. Joel Embiid, so inconsistent. Mm-hmm. Some nights he'll score whatever, it was, 49. Other nights he'll come out and score nothing. Now you finally get a chance to see, you're, like you said, what he can do without Ben Simmons on the court. There was one little black mark, though, on the Sixers' win last night. With the game out of reach, Embiid trying to run out the clock, gets the ball, stolen by Kevin Herter. He didn't like that. Gave him the business. Well, yeah,
1: he gave him the the middle finger. I
0: know the finger, Goose. Uh Uh, After (laughs) the game, he did walk it back, though.
3: I also want to say sorry for what I did Uh, at the end of the game. You probably saw that on TV. I'm sorry. Thank you.
2: Okay. Wait, was he of... sorry for giving the middle finger because of the action or that he did it on television?
1: Yeah, because he did it on television. I, though, go ahead, Jenna. You were about to No, say, I was just... Go ahead. The, okay, this is one of those things where I know what I'm supposed to do is scold Joel Embiid. I do not care. I do not know why anyone would care. Here's the thing about the middle finger, which for some reason we have to ble- we have to blur on television. Because if you are, if you, the only argument is, what about the kids? What about the kids? I'm so worried about the kids. If the kids are old enough to know what that means, they're old enough to go home and not have nightmares about it. I mean, he listen. This do you is mind that Kevin Herter stole that ball. I, 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 do you care about any? I care about it's it. Not the, care. To me, Kevin Herter stealing the ball is something you're not supposed to do, and flipping a guy off on the court is something you're not supposed to do. They are both traffic tickets. You don't even <laughs> you don't even get handcuffs put on you for it. It is it is to me as minor of a thing as you possibly can have. Like I. I, I know I'm supposed to be mad about it. This is the type of thing I can't pretend to be angry about it. I think there are going to be a lot. There are a lot of people that on television will be mad about it, and then off the be like I don't care. Like, they, they, but I, I, I'm not going to be that. Listen, Joel. I think this is one of the fun things about Joel Embiid that if he gave us more consistent play would be more endearing than when it's... But he's when supposed it,
0: to be the guy. It's his team. It's his team. He's the guy.
2: You can't be... You
1: don't why? like
0: something
2: at the end of the game. You're going to flip him off? That's where the league's going? I, curse him out next thing? I actually... I don't want to change the top. I was more interested... Right before him apologizing, he kind of walked back the fact that he said he was the best player in the world. The beginning part of that interview, mm-hmm. uh, Serena Winters, who does a great job on the Philadelphia sideline, she said, "So greatest player in the world." And he said, "Well, I meant on, you know, on any given night. And there's a lot of great players that I want. That's what I was. I'm like, Joelle, if you're going to say it, say it. You well, just scored 49. The, so roll a, a, with it.
1: And if you do listen back to the first time he said it, it was you can understand the context of he was kind of prodded along saying it the first time, and he. So I understood that him trying to walk it back tonight a bit, especially because of what just happened against the actual best player in the <laughs> yes. world." Honest. But the, listen, the, the middle finger, you, I mean, you say or his next thing are they going to do is curse him out? Yes, Jenna. That happens in every NBA game all the time. I just. How often, I, too, do we see the verbalization of what the yes, man finger means? Yes, of
2: course. Means, that all like, to me, that's to almost, the referees To the referees. You're not getting me off this, this corner. Was, no, you can't just
0: be giving guys the finger in the middle of a yeah, televised well, well, game. You can't you, do it. Well,
1: quite literally, you can, because he did. And I just. I, it Does it, if it, if it. The question is, does it bother me? The answer is no. Like, I, the, again, what about the children? I'm so concerned about the children. <laughs> the children will be fine, America. Like, they, there's going to be no, there's going to be no, uh, there's n- some, no, th- come on. What? There's no
0: standards in the league to uphold. You play, you're grown men, this is your job. Something doesn't go your way, you
1: give them the finger? But he was, I, I mean, I feel like it was clearly in jest. It was clearly it was it was, it was right. at the end of a game. I mean, I don't. The, the this is the type of thing that will never bother me. It will never bother me. Do you think Kevin Herter's feelings were hurt? No. Like, does, does Kevin no. Herter need? And like. he doesn't a, regret an apology it. And I don't basket? mind that
2: Kevin Herter did that.
1: No, they, yeah. I mean, I'll,
2: I'll be alone on this
0: corner. I'll let you guys have. <laughs> Protect it, the, the children. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Have you ever had muscle pain? I'm talking stop you and your tracks will never work out again. What am I going to do kind of pain? This is the kind of pain Dr. Jason Worsland was in when he created Theragun, the deep muscle massager that's unlike anything you've ever felt. Theragun isn't a cheap massager that just tickles your muscles. Their handheld percussive device uses a scientifically calibrated combination of speed, depth, and power to release the deepest muscle tension. Whether you want to treat your muscle tension from working out an injury or just everyday life you can use Theragun. Theragun is the preferred muscle recovery device for over 250 professional sports teams and used by hundreds of thousands of satisfied customers around the world to reduce pain, increase range of motion and soothe aching muscles. Try Theragun risk free for 30 days or your money back by going to theragun.com slash cadence for a limited time our listeners get a free charging stand with a purchase, a $79 value. That's theragun.com slash cadence, theragun.com slash cadence.
0: Moving on to the best player on the Nets, not to have played for the Nets yet, Kevin Durant, still rehabbing, still working his way back to basketball and still dealing with his time in the Bay Area. Durant won two Finals MVPs in just three seasons with Golden State. So when KD decided on Brooklyn, I guess you could say it left Warriors owner Joe Laca slightly perplexed.
1: I can't get mad when Kevin Durant, who I felt pretty close with, uh, decides he's going to leave, which to me made no sense. Like, you're the best organization I hope he thinks in the world, or maybe winning. Winning, other great players, I mean, the new arena. To me, there was like every reason in the world to stay, but I'm not gonna be mad at him because, you know, it's his life and he earned the right. And for whatever reason, he decided he wanted to leave. I I can't control that.
0: All right, Sarah, this is your corner. You cover the Nets. What was your reaction to what
2: Joe Lacob had to say? My first reaction in hearing his comments are, what else is Joe Lacob going to say? Of course he feels that way, and he's done a great job along with the other ownership of putting together a really solid organization in Golden State, the type of team that they have. You look at not only what they've done in terms of winning and the roster they've compiled, but also just the front office consistency, the head coach and Steve Kerr, Um, the new arena, which I have not been to yet, will be out there in a couple weeks, but by all accounts, is first class and a beautiful place to play. If you get to be in the Bay, you get to be in San Francisco, and all the things, it's an attractive place um, for any free agent. I think when it comes to Kevin Durant, though, he wanted a change and he wanted something different. He spoke multiple times about just his decision and why it felt like it was time for him to try something new. And I think with any player, and I feel strongly about this, when you are a free agent, you have the agency to choose what you want, where you want to be, get a different experience. Um, and so, for Joe Lacob to say that, I, I feel like it's it's the obvious statement because you've done everything you can to try and make this a place that someone like Kevin Durant, someone that you know, throughout the course of what that group has done, you want to continue. But to me, it, it's it's not surprising.
1: Well, so there's I agree, it's not surprising. And there's only one part of Joe Lacob's comment that I take any issue with. The vast majority of it, he was pitch perfect on, and obviously it runs in absolute juxtapos- absolute uh, opposition to famously what Dan Gilbert said about LeBron when LeBron left a decade ago and scorched earth. Joe Lacob said, of course, he has the right. You know, we wish him the best, said all the right things in that regard. The one part that I take issue with is maybe the wrong word that I disagree with is where he said, I felt close to Kevin. I felt like I knew Kevin. Well, if you felt close to Kevin, felt like you knew Kevin, then this move absolutely couldn't have made no sense. This move made, I don't know Kevin at at all, personally, but I know enough people close to Kevin and know enough about Kevin that this move made so much sense. We were telegraphing it 18 months before he made it. Steve Kerr was worried that this could happen at the end of year two. Kerr Kerr knew it was going to happen once they were into year three. Now, I I was not expecting him to pick your Brooklyn Nets. I thought he was going to pick the New York Knicks, but for Kevin Durant, Let me do something I don't do very often in the show. Let me tirelessly defend Kevin Durant here. For him, what he wanted, what he wants to accomplish, it was the perfect decision. It was the clear-cut right decision. He had done all he had come to do in Golden State, and he realized that despite the winning and the success and the finals MVPs and the shots over LeBron, there was still... I don't want to say an emptiness because that feels too too dark there was still a hole left to fill in his basketball soul so to speak so he's got to go try to fill it somewhere else and god bless him i hope he does because he has another mountain to climb and either you can have the greatest mountain in the world what's the what's the one in seattle everyone loves rainier like it's probably the, the okay you can maybe that's the most beautiful mountain in the world once you've climbed it three times Maybe you go to a less attractive one because you've never climbed it. And he's trying to climb a new mountain that for him is the only box left to check. And I and I know people get annoyed when analysts say this, but one title in Brooklyn absolutely would mean more than two more in Golden State. And I think Katie knows that. I, I think on top of it, too. D- the look, it, Kevin Durant wanted to play with some of his
2: best friends. Like, no. the idea that who you surround yourself with, as I know the two of you know very yeah. well, have the wonderful opportunity to work with one another every best morning. Best friends. best of friends, uh, Best that, friends forever. But that's a factor, and I think from the outside, a lot of times people don't fully understand how entrenched you are with the people with your team. Showing up every morning, whether it's rehab, whether it's practice, on the road, travel, this, this becomes your family. And so this is something which, you know, I know it's been said that they had talked about during the time between him and Kyrie Irving and DeAndre Jordan when they were playing with Team USA how incredible would it be if we all played together. But you also, and I'll say this from the inside, looking at a a well-structured organization that also has a beautiful arena, that also has a great practice facility, that's in a different market that Kevin Durant desired to sit in. You're in New York City. He's a businessman as well, so there was a variety of aspects that I think you could point to um, as you have that this was a decision for Kevin Durant that certainly makes a lot of sense. Yes and yes but also yes, Kevin Durant's a quirky guy and he's a fickle
0: guy and he's seemingly unsatisfied all the time. We kind of question the move from OKC To go play for a team that just beat you, we scratched our heads a little bit. But now you kind of get it. He's going to do things on his own timeline, in his own heart, the way he wants to do it. I don't know why Joe Lacob was totally surprised by this. The move to come to his team was a little bit surprising as well.
1: uh, Well, it comes from, and this can be a loaded term, so I don't mean it in a bad way. It comes from a place of privilege. Joe Lacob basically saying, how could anyone not want us? Which really is, how could anyone not want me? I'm the light years ahead owner. I'm the owner that put this whole thing together. I'm the owner that saw the writing on the wall that you could come here initially all we did was win, then win again, then be in position potentially to win again and then just get cut down by injury after injury after injury. There's no reason to think that as soon as you and Clay were healthy, we would be I mean, if KD had stayed, the Warriors obviously this year would be a mess anyway because of all the because Clay right. and KD wouldn't yeah. be playing, but they would go into next year. No matter what Giannis does in the finals this year, no matter what LeBron does in the finals this year, they would go into next year as the overwhelming favorites, even if Clay and KD hadn't played basketball since last NBA Finals. So Joe Lacob, there's there's an element of, and I don't know his whole life story, but he hasn't had, I would imagine, a lot of people in business say, nah, bro, I'm good. I, you know what I mean? I'm fine on the other side of this. And so I understand his personal pride being wounded. But, Jenna, you're absolutely right. Ke- Kevin Durant went to Golden State And we didn't, for me, I shouldn't say we, I didn't like it from a competitive balance standpoint, from a just regular competition standpoint, from an NBA history standpoint. But if what he thought was, my number one goal is the quickest possible path to a championship and to play in a smarter offense, then it makes perfect sense in that regard. And if his next number one goal is to expand his business empire on the East Coast, if LeBron's set up on the West Coast, and to try to win a championship where he will unquestionably be the guy for a franchise that has never won one, certainly in Brooklyn, never they've been to the two finals with Kidd, but doesn't have a championship history and no one on the team Team, has a championship pedigree, other than his buddy Kyrie, then of course the move makes perfect sense. And so that's the part where Lacob, I, I, I'm not. I think it probably is just a bad turn of phrase by him. I can't imagine the day of free agency, Sarah. He thought KD was coming well, back. and
2: that's where is that there's a difference between I was surprised and it doesn't make sense. Yep. And so maybe he was not surprised, but in continuing to reflect on it, still does not make sense to him. talk about
0: Tyson Wilder too. It looks like we're going to get Tyson Wilder the trilogy. Deontay Wilder, coming off his loss to Fury, has decided to use his rematch clause, which means they will fight again. But if you expect a big entrance this time around, think again. Wilder said that 45 pound, somewhat ridiculous costume that he wore on his way to the ring over the weekend weakened his legs and impacted his fighting ability. Nick, I, I can, I'm sensing <laughs> I by love your it so much. crazy laughter, Truth or
1: excuse? Oh, what would you call I, listen. It? Truth or excuse? Here's what weakened his legs. When he got that, the what would have been right here. So it would have been the right hand to his to left the, you know, ear that totally ruined his equilibrium. That's what weakened his legs. But this is an all-time great excuse. <laughs> I love it so much because a, prove it's not true. Like, pr- prove it. He, he can go to his grave saying it was this 45-pound outfit that weakened my legs, and he can tell everyone that. And it, this is in line with boxing, the annals of boxing of a guy gets whooped and then says, wait, what? Dragonfly Drones, a, a great follow on Twitter, brought this up last night, and I had forgotten about it. You remember the No Moss fight? Roberto Duran, Sugar Ray Leonard, one of the most famous fights ever, when Sugar Ray is just... Beating Roberto Duran so badly, he quits. No no mas, can't do it anymore. After the fight, Roberto Duran said what happened was, I had a hot cup of tea and then a cold cup of water and it ruined me. Messed my he said up. it was hot tea, cold water, can't do it, that's why I lost. As opposed to Sugar Ray Leonard annihilating you. We all watched what Tyson Fury did to him. No one believes it's because of this costume, but I love it. I think that is it is an all-time great post-fight excuse. And so is it an excuse or is it the truth? I'd say both. I'd say it, in his mind, he has convinced himself it's the truth, maybe because his mind is still not yes, right from the beating Tyson Fury is not put right. on him. And
3: so so, yeah, I say it's the excuse and the truth, Greg Jennings. Yeah, this is a big-time excuse. And what I don't like about it is right after the fight, he gets interviewed and he talks about not having any excuses. But then we come out with this, and maybe maybe it did weigh him down. But here's my problem. Like, that wasn't the first time he tried this on. Like, he knew how much it weighed. Right. Prior to walking in the end, making his grand entrance, but prior to even the fight, he was pacing back and forth for for at least an hour. Like, get off your legs. You don't think that had anything to do with it? I actually
1: think the pacing had as much to do with it as the costume.
3: What had to do with it was hit, he got hit so hard in no his doubt. ear it was bleeding. Absolutely. And, this- and it completely throws off your equilibrium Anytime you've been hit like that. Here's year.
0: what else it does. It throws off your ability to make put cohesive sense. This together, 24 hours, 48 hours after the fight, so perhaps we should take everything to oh, the same. The no, no, is no. Great. So, I, I no have doubt the I guy's this probably is got co- some sort I of. I think investment. this is a cogent
1: thought by him, and it's his only possible <laughs> path to an excuse. <laughs> That's it. He's listen, he's activating the as you mentioned the, the rematch, rematch clause. clause. Yep. And I said on this air yesterday that if this fight happens ten more times, that Tyson Fury wins ten more times. I have now. It's taken me 24 hours to convince myself Deontay Wilder can win. I believe it's because of the punch to the ear and the costume. I'm on. I'm on Team Wilder once again. <laughs> even though what I just saw happen, we all knew Wilder could only win by landing one massive right hand. He was a, in the first fight. Fury was killing him on points mm-hmm. until the knockdown in the 12th round. He salvages draw. In this fight, you could argue Fury won every round. Maybe Wilder won the second. His only chance is to hit him with one massive overhand right, and the equilibrium was thrown off. I think by the punch to the ear. Maybe by this didn't help. And so it, it, if neither of those things happened, the third fight should be a good one. So
0: let's talk about the third fight. Is that what you want to see? Do you want to see these two get back in a ring together?
3: Um, I would lo- I would not mind seeing it. I don't think it's necessary for Wilder. Yes, it is necessary because he feels like he can beat Fury where, I, from my eyes, what my eyes told me watching that boxing match, watching the first one, is Fury is a boxer, Wilder is a bruiser. He's a puncher. puncher. And if he gets that punch, if he gets one of those paws on you, you may be out. But Fury believes even if he does get that paw on He's me, gonna have to, yeah. I, you're going to have to get it on me multiple times because I have gotten up from it once, and I will get up from it again. So I think it'll be a good match. I think it would be better than what we saw this last time, Listen, would the, be the, necessary.
1: The fight that everyone needs to see, it would appear, is Fury-Joshua. Joshua. But they, listen, these guys signed a contract. And it was in the contract that if Wilder loses, he can activate a rematch clause, and he's activating it. So more power to him. He's not scared. He he has now come out and said he didn't want the towel thrown in. He's considering firing his trainer. I, I, think, his, I think his corner saved him. They, I, 100%. I that, and I think that if there's any criticism of the corner, it's that it wasn't stopped on the Steiner. stool in the sixth. You know what I mean? That it wasn't stopped. In the, it could have been stopped earlier than it was. But I more power to him for wanting to go out and fight, fight him again there is, though, an element of, you mentioned Fury's a boxer and Wilder's more of a bruiser, and I'm not saying you're wrong on that, but I do think because he got beat so soundly, there has been an overreaction to, well, how good is Deontay Wilder really? The guy turned pro when George W. Bush was president. This was the first time he's ever lost. So, I mean, he's gone. Pre- he's had a pretty good run with his style. It's been pretty successful with his style. He fought him once and knocked him seriously. Seemingly out cold in the 12th round, and then Fury did undertake Undertaker and sat up at the seven count, and ended Look. up. And they end up having a draw. I think. I think Wilder is a great fighter. Fury does appear to be. Far ahead of him, at least he did in this fight, and for big portions of the first fight. But I'll watch the third one, and then the winner goes and fights Anthony Joshua. And
0: maybe he learned a lesson. He'll wear a robe next time—a <laughs> little totally silky understood. robe that weighs as much oh, as like A issue. little Ali, a little Ali. Ali. Just one little that's Ali it. robe. Take that's Take it, it off, not or 45 pounds of out.
3: armor, <laughs> or, or just, just, just what? Like Fury. Oh, I didn't even think out. about that. He should have mentioned that. In. I
1: got all this on. Yep, he's getting carried. It's even worse. So
0: despite using every media opportunity to heap praise on Dak Prescott, Dak Prescott remains a quarterback without a contract. Stephen Jones recently referred to Dak as their guy. And yet we learned Jones and Dak's agent haven't spoken since September. Greg, how worrisome is this for Dallas?
3: First off, it is worrisome if this is true. Um, I I find it hard to believe that it's true being in contract negotiations before that a team isn't going to speak to either yourself or your agent for that long of period of time. I get it. At the beginning of the season, you want to kind of silence everything and let the players play. And even Dak Prescott said, I just want to play it out now. And there are some teams that once the season starts, they table negotiations. Yes, uh, yes. That does happen at times. They table it, b- b- for the most part. But it's never really just done. We're mm-hmm. not Especially talking about it. the quarterback position. Exactly, Jenna. Exactly. I mean... The, the most important position on your team. roster. And you're telling me I haven't... No, we're not going to even talk about it. We're not considering even negotiating or coming to a table to meet. I find that hard to believe. Everything we've known, everything we've heard has been the Dallas Cowboys want Dak Prescott. He's our guy of the future. So that lets me know he's been, they've not only been communicating with Dak Prescott, his team, his, the guys around him understand where they are. They're just trying to figure out what's going to be the number. And, That's the question.
1: And I, to me, what this signals, it's a little different. To me, what this signals is the number is going to be the franchise tag. Because the, Lee Sharp pointed this out, and I think it's a really smart point. Everyone knows what a Venn diagram is. There's what I want, there's what you want, and then there's the circle. Yep. There's two the circles, middle. and then what where the intersection is. The only way you don't talk to your quarterback, the most important player on your team, for six months, is if the last time you talked... You heard what he wanted, you know what you want to offer, and you realized, man, not only is there no intersection in the circles, but we're so far away that even if we come up 20% and he comes down 20%, there is still no intersection in the circle. What this tells me is that that original report from... Oh, God. I think it was Jane Slater. I like to give credit if I'm right on it. I think it was Jane Slater. The original report back in August that About Dak Prescott morning. wanting 35 to 40 million. That not the, the report that I think when most of us first saw was like we, oh, were, we sh- laughed it off. Give yeah. me a break. Not only was that accurate, but that the 35 is probably on the low end of it. The Cowboys must have come in thinking we're going to pay you just under what Carson Wentz got. And if the Cowboys were thinking four years, 120. 30 million a year when Wentz got four for one twenty eight. And Dak's thinking four years, you know, call it 156, which would be I think thirty-nine million dollars a year. Well then, okay, if we come up to four years 135 if we come up 15 million and you come down 15 million you're at four years 141 we're still not there and so this does happen sometimes you 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 have bought a house you bought a couple houses probably but when you're going out looking sometimes you're like man i love this house it's for sale it's been on the market a long time i gotta live in this house and you make your first offer and their counter is 50 percent more and you're like okay well we can I mean, my offer is my offer. There's no sense in continuing, what, am I going to raise at five grand and you're going to make a difference? To me, if you're a Cowboys fan, this is the first really scary sign that this thing ends with the franchise tag, which, by the way, is what I think they should do to start with. But I think most Cowboys fans want this guy in-house long term.
0: Greg, which side do you think needs the other one more at this point? Because someone will pay Dak this money. But the Cowboys at this point are this far along and this far vested in Dak and knowing what Dak can do with a guy like Amari and Zeke and the team they have built there. So who needs who more?
3: I think, honestly, Dak needs the Cowboys more. Um, and, And the reason why I say that is because we know Jerry Jones wants to win right now. He hired Mike McCarthy to win right now. They have a lot of really good pieces. The quarterback is the one piece that they haven't, that they've been questioning for the last four years, really. Mm -hmm. And so if they are still questioning the quarterback situation, they can go and find a quarterback to insert for a period of time until they come to a realization of what we want to do, who that looks like and how long we're going to put yeah. them under contract. So I think Dak Prescott is the odd man right now. He did, he does have leverage because he did play so well. And they want him there and Mike McCarthy wants to work with him and he's a young guy that they could... Build success around, but it hasn't happened. If they had won and made the playoffs, I don't even think Different we're having this question. But, but the, I
1: wonder if we are, if they just make the playoffs, you know, if they go to the conference championship or the Super Bowl, then probably this thing's done. I do wonder if they're far enough away that just making the playoffs wouldn't have been enough. But I do, people, we talk about Dak Prescott, at that he's a free agent. But in reality, he's not. In reality, the Cowboys have him under contract for two more years with the second year being a team option. They have him right now. They have a team option on him for about $28 bucks, And next year, they have a team option on him for about $32 bucks. Those are the franchise tax. So who needs who more? Dak needs, if Dak wants a long-term deal, the Cowboys hold all the cards in this regard, which is why they expect him, I imagine, to come way down from the 35 to $40 million a year. If the, the Cowboys can do absolutely nothing and guarantee Dak Prescott to their quarterback the next two years at a reasonable rate. And so if Dak is willing to play that game, that's fine and more power to him. But he he can be an actual free agent. We're talking about him as a free agent. He's not. He can be an actual free agent in two, two years. years. The yep. Cowboys can have him with no risk financially past this season and then activate that option again next year. That's where the franchise tag complicates this enormously. And again, this is
3: a copycat league, and we've seen this with Kirk Cousins mm-hmm. in Washington. Look, tag, that and it tag, tag, and tag, tag, and then he left. Yep, you're right. <laughs>
0: Back here with Sarah Kustak. Sarah, let's talk about Zion for just a second. He's only 12 games into his NBA career. Can we
1: do it for a little longer than just a Fine. second? Fine. Fine. Oh, we'll man. do it for 12 minutes and you. then we'll go to commercial break. Jenna, how do you deal with him? <laughs> every day? Well, basics, as my BFF. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he's only 12 games into his NBA career. He's already turning heads. His numbers have been unreal. His impact has been undeniable. His frame, look, he's a big boy. Listed at 6'6", 284". That might be an undersell. Bill Simmons says he, quote, heard from a reliable source that Zion is actually over 300 pounds at this point. Sarah, is Zion's play sustainable at this weight? If he is 300 pounds, is he able to do this, stay healthy for the first long? First off? of all,
2: he jumps like he's jumping off a trampoline and moves like a ballerina on his feet. At over, if it is over 300 pounds, he has been so eye-poppingly impressive. Sustainable, I think, is the right word. I talked to a lot of people throughout the course of the the off season, now this season, from the New Orleans Pelicans organization, and I think if for Zion, he's 19 years old, and think about well. I'm not, sure you, yeah, I'm not sure this counts for you Jen. I'm not sure this counts for you cuz I think you were probably so diligent no, no, and strict no, no. but I know diet. what I mean. It's hard at that a teenager, age. I'm just out of getting college. used to it. you're coming yeah. out of college. He was overpowering everyone at Duke and throughout the course of, you know, whether it was junior high, high school. Now, I think it's going to be a work in progress. And that's such a major factor in the NBA of all teams having dietitians and having so much of a support staff to try and get guys to be at their peak maximum physical form. And a lot of that, you know, comes from eating. And and you look at his body, you look at how he moves, what he can do. He's dense. He's got a density to (laughs) his game. And so it's not even so much that he's eating vastly unhealthy. I mean, think about the fact that he was injured. So he wasn't getting necessarily those game type of reps. And in that game type of condition, I just think it's going to be a process. I don't think he will stay in this weight. I think it will be a continued push. But for him.
0: Does it matter if he does? Like, does it matter? Can he he play this well at 300 pounds? I don't know how. uh, Hold on, hold I on. think this he could play. Games I think he could
2: play this well. I do think for the longevity of his career, there's going to be a point that is a lot of weight to be up and down. I, do I think that he could be this yeah, impactful? But no, yes, but in terms of staying this healthy for year after year, season after season, I do think some of those. Do I think he's still going to be 284? Yeah, is he going to be 290? But I do think it's going to be a constant focus yeah. for him to stay disciplined in what he's eating.
1: Every single. Pro athlete, every single NBA star. Let me say that, except for the guy we were just we were talking about earlier, Kevin Durant. Oh. Their body has undergone a transformation yeah. from their rookie season to once the you guys we, we everyone was poking fun at Jason Tatum's tattoo because it might be missing an apostrophe. Depends on what you actually want to, the tattoo to say. Maybe it's a future stint. God's will score for the Celtics or God's will apostrophe yes, um, but. He, I mean, he looks like a cartoon character in a good way. Like, he's his triangular upper, upper back down to a tiny waist. He didn't look like that. Oh, he turned into season. a
2: man this year. Absolutely Like, you watch right. him in his physical form yeah. on the court. You know why? Because it's year moves?
1: three and yep. because he, his, his body filled out. We, guys will he Zion's body will undoubtedly change he might grow more because he's only 19 years old Giannis grew three inches from the time he was drafted to right yeah. now but does he need to not for the next few years he, listen he is the strongest most powerful highest jumping freak in the league with the biggest freaks and because we, we've run out of... The only thing to do with Zion is watch and marvel. And Jenna, you were sitting across from me three years ago when we watched a guy who looked the exact same size do this in high school. He, he's a big kid. And so, w- w- listen, I don't know if he's eating 100 beignets a day, but I think he should do exactly what he's doing. Because he's come into the league and he has killed everyone. He has dominated it, and there's this element of, well, it can't sustain. Why not? Says who? In what world? Like, Barkley was. Barkley's what? The. 19th greatest player ever it, he was big for a decade slimmed down at and I some
0: think point barkley has admitted that if he took a little better care of his body his career might have been a little bit different he has said that a number of different times i, I love the kid i love watching him i think today he's spectacular i think tomorrow he's spectacular I think the concern people have is years from now, the toll it takes on your knees, the toll it takes
2: on your health, if he doesn't change his body, if his body doesn't change. I I agree. I think he could still be as dominant and continue to do what he's doing at Anyway, he has been extraordinary. It has been remarkable to watch the way in which I, I said it, how he jumps, how he moves, yeah. his rim running, how quickly he gets up the floor, everything about that. I do think you start to Get think about your way. joints.
1: You Get start out, to g- give me that ball. G- but give it look
2: to me. at how high he's up and down. But, I, so
1: here's so where I disagree with you when you say, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, Sarah, no. where you say he can do it at any weight. I think the weight helps him. I think in a league of shooting and small ball and little guys and finesse. Having a big, what strong, are we talking though? Ten sweaty, pounds
2: or are we to- I, like to like, me? But, 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 what, what do you big it's like
1: for these guys to guard him? I bet he don't smell that good. <laughs> I, he's he's sweat. He's pouring sweat. He you can't get a hold on him because he's all he, he seems a little rubbery and he is coming downhill. In your face repeatedly, he has to be miserable to guard. Part of that is because of his size. I here, I don't, I don't get it. He's I, not
2: going to be thin. He's not going to be Kevin Love. Like he, to me, he's not going to turn into someone that is not going to have that same force. He's always going to have the girth. But, he's always going to have that but,
0: girth.
1: So then, what? Well, hold on. Two things. One is Kevin Love's really interesting. Point. because I didn't think, think about, about his body yeah think about the transformation of Kevin Love and, and think about when he was his best he was a little chubby he, good, he had 30 rebound games and now it, maybe I don't know what it would have looked like when at his older age but I just we sometimes guys are actual unicorns sometimes guys are no, no no we've never seen anything like him and this this what people seem to want same thing with Lamar Jackson well he's got to change because he's going to get hurt Maybe, or maybe he can just keep killing people. And maybe Zion, this idea that, well, he's not going to be able to keep doing it. Can we see? Does all it concern done, you that he was injured earlier this year? I don't, do we think that, because do we think if he was eight pounds lighter, he wouldn't have been? I don't. I mean, I don't, because if we are talking about, can his knees handle it? Then we are to me, we, it is a question of body, major body transformation. It's not if, if the knees can handle it at 13% body fat. and It's probably not even that. Are we saying they can't, they can't handle it at 14.2? I mean, I don't. It's just a small sample size right now. But look, right now he's
0: doing it all, and he's young enough where his body can take the constant pounding but, day, night in and night out. But isn't
1: the sample size his entire basketball life? Isn't this what he did in high school? And then he went to Duke and did it at Duke. And now he's gone to the NBA and he's had one bad game. And since that game, he's scoring 27 and a half on 63% shooting. And the shooting percentages matter a lot because he's getting all of his pl- shots at the rim. Whereas, here's what Zion needs.
2: Except for that pretty three. He the, the, yeah, the, a little shimmy step back.
1: Here's what Zion needs to work on: his free throws and his jump shot. His free throws and his jump shot are an actual weakness. His body is something I think people want to be, I don't want to say want to, but expect to be a weakness, but I just haven't seen it. I see i see him miss a free throw, be the first one to the ball, and then use some of that girth and strength to rip the ball away from somebody. i the, And people say with Barkley, well, Barkley wasn't as high of a flyer, so Barkley didn't put the wear and tear on his knees. Yeah, I, I got it, but Barkley also played 30 years ago without the technology we have today, and he was fine. Like I. Man, Zion... I say you change nothing, kid.
2: You do. You? I just it, it, want I d- him to. I want us to be able to watch him for years and years and years to come. He's he's what's been extraordinary. A, what's
0: a beignet? That's like a croissant. You have not oh, had a beignet? No. Oh,
1: no. no, there's some powdered sugar. I Thought it was a bath. It's, it's almost.
0: It's like a inc- oh, incredible donut. Yeah. Have you I been, been to New had Orleans? Had there's no way he's had 20 of those. Yeah, I have. Probably I each morning. Get the... the
1: my guy Zion. Keep what? it up, man. <laughs> fried foods. Send us some beignets to New York. I'll try a beignet. New Orleans nightlife and on folks' heads
0: back here with greg jennings talking nfl draft so the combine is underway and joe burrow is already in the news <clears throat> his hands measured in at nine inches. No first-round quarterback has had smaller hands than nine inches since 2008. And while his stock might be going down, Tua Tagovailoa's might be going up. Pro Football Focus says Tua will be a high-end starter if he is healthy. As for Burrow and his hands, the Heisman winner tweeted yesterday, This is fantastic. Look what he tweeted. Considering retirement after I was informed the football will be slipping out of my tiny hands. Please keep me in your thoughts. It's great. Lean into it. I love that,
1: Joey. That's Uh, great.
0: All right, Nick. Who should be the first pick in the draft? A lot of people have Burrow. You've been on the side Tua for for a while. And it's
1: now. not an anti-Joe Burrow taken promise yeah. Thomas has nothing to do with his tiny, tiny hands. The <laughs> the why do they have to be tiny, tiny? Call, oh yeah, just one tiny. <laughs> well, okay, fair enough. Yeah, it just his tiny hands. His self-proclaimed tiny hands. The best quarterback in the NFL and the most talented quarterback my eyes have ever laid, laid eyes on. Patrick Mahomes. His hands are a whole quarter of an inch. Bigger than Joe Burrows. Nine and, so, a quarter. nine and a quarter to Joe's nine. And we saw him play. And I understand the there's stripes on the college football as opposed to the NFL football. So it's a little different about how much hand size matters. And by the way, the guy, you played with two guys with freak show hands, right? Mm hmm. And Favre and Rodgers. Mm-hmm. And we have seen, you can talk about this far better than me, we've seen countless uh, uh, highlights of them going back in the pocket some behemoth coming off their blind side, chopping down on their arm, and somehow the ball not coming loose. So I, I do think it matters to a degree. But before I knew Joe Burrow's hand size, I would have said Tua, and the answer is multi-layered. One is I think Tua's upside is higher. The other is there does seem to be, for Cincinnati in particular, some murmurs that Joe Burrow maybe wouldn't want to be there. Tua, there is no question he would be thrilled to be anywhere, and... He's going to sit the first year. So if you're Cincinnati and you need a total overhaul anyway, having a redshirt year from Tua where you can be bad again is not the worst thing in the world, as opposed to drafting Burrow who's going to expect to be playing immediately behind a team that needs an overhaul and maybe get beat up a bit. So for a lot of reasons, but most notably, I think Joe Burrow is good at everything. And aside from collegiate accuracy, I don't know that he's great a-level NFL, great at anything, and I think Tua can be a superstar in this league. I would take Tua, but it's got very little to do with Joe Burrow's little hands.
3: Okay, tiny hands. Okay, sorry, Come on, my Nick. apologies. So I agree with you on some of your your stance. I, I like Tua better than I do <gasps> like Joe Burrow, but I just want to put everyone in Joe Burrow's shoes for a second. Like, I'm the healthy one, and this guy is injured. And you're questioning whether who you would take. Like he's going to feel some level of disrespect. Like as an athlete, as a as people, as, as competitors. If someone didn't show up and actually perform the way that you're doing it right now, and they did it from home, and they just called in, mm-hmm. and they were sick, you'd be like, dude, he sounded terrible, he's sick, He's not. he can't do what I do. They can't run 12 miles in one day when they got a mm-hmm. half mile in, in two weeks. Like, you would feel some way slighted. And, and all you've done is have success? One of the and greatest single seasons All of you've done is have success? Joe Burrow, is he should be the number one overall draft pick because he is healthy. Now, that may be the only reason why, because as far as talent level, as far as what these guys can be, that's to be seen. But right now, I'm not taking, if I'm Cincinnati, Tua and I know my my organization needs an overhaul, and I need a guy now and to give my fan base and to sell tickets and say, oh yeah, we're going to take Tua, but he's not going to play this year, so you got to wait for 2021 or 2022. Like, no, that's not how it works. You take the healthy guy because you understand, I need someone right now that can provide me with some type of lift, some type of boost. That is Joe Burrow.
0: I just have to ask about the injury because the injury is what's keeping us really from having a true conversation of who the number one guy should be coming out of the draft. He doesn't just have an injury. He's injury prone. He's had a number of injuries, the most recent one, the hip, which now they're saying if he's healthy, he could be you know, good to go. He's wearing the brace on the knee in that picture there. Do, do you worry about him coming out, the fact that in college he's really banged up a number of different limbs already, his hip most specifically? Yes,
3: you worry. You worry. It, it every Going through the NFL Combine, like I had an ankle injury, I had like an elbow elbow dislocation. They literally, I was in an X-ray room for eight and a half hours wow. because they were trying to MRI as well, make sure that my ankles were good, make sure that my make sure every little thing was perfectly fine because this is a, is a huge investment. Huge. Ma- huge now I was really a second understand. round draft pick. Imagine if you're potentially going to be the number one draft pick. Overall, you're going to go above and beyond. You're going to look at Tua and say, I can't take that type of a chance. White out the gate, number one overall, and he's hurt. And sell this to my fan base and say, this is the product that we just bought. This is what we're bringing. Right and it but but wait we can't use it But but, but here's why
1: you can is because in order to be successful as the number one overall pick of the drafted quarterback you have to turn into a championship level quarterback i'm not saying you have to win a super bowl but you've got to be a, a quarterback that's good enough to put your team in contention to compete for them and who you got to go through if you're cincinnati in your division You have to go through reigning MVP, Lamar Jackson, and you're going to have to go through Baker Mayfield, who I believe is going to bounce back after a sensational rookie season and then a bad second year. And by the way, the Steelers are still there. If you get through your division, you are going to have to go through future MVP, Deshaun Watson, and then you're going to have to go through reigning Super Bowl MVP, Patrick Mahomes. You better have a stud at quarterback. You cannot have a rich man's Andy Dalton. You got to have a guy that can go across the field eye to eye with Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, and say, man. Today I'm the better quarterback and I think that's Tua even if you got to wait a year for it. I think the, the I understand your point. There's safety in Joe Burrow and maybe Joe Burrow will turn into the quarterback that I believe Tua ultimately will be. But I think Tua's upside is too high to pass up on at that spot, especially in your, you, you know who you're competing against in the NFL. Players change, quarterbacks don't. Lamar is going to be the quarterback of the Ravens for the enti- at a minimum, the entirety of whoever they draft their rookie contract. Baker Mayfield's going to be in Cleveland. The Steelers are going to be the damn Steelers, no matter who their quarterback is. And then you have Deshaun, who's about to get a five-year huge extension, and Patrick, who's about to get a five-year huge extension. Who do you feel like can elevate your franchise to compete with those guys. It's the same thing, by the way, that that Houston Texans, what changed their franchise, and I know they haven't had massive playoff success, was they went from also Rands or good-but-not-great Matt Schaub to Deshaun bleeping Watson. Let's go. We, I know they blew the game, but we can be up 24-0 on the road in a playoff game on Patrick Mahomes. Like, they, you, you're going to have to have the best A-plus option, and to me, that's Tua. The injuries are the only reason that, to me, this isn't a open-and-shut case.
0: Drawing a blank. Here we go. It looks like Cam Newton's time in Carolina might be coming to a close with the Panthers reportedly, quote, open for business on the trade market. Nick, the best trade destination for Cam Newton, in your opinion, would be blank.
1: The New England Patriots. The New England Patriots, who I don't think have this just nobody, nobody's playing wide receiver for him. I think they have legitimate options out there. I think, I mean, I'm told by Patriot fans all the time that Julian Edelman's one day gonna be a Hall of Famer. I think Nikhil Harry was an excellent collegiate player who, if you get in a maybe a little more of a free-flowing offense than timing, precision, gotta be there at seven and a half yards at this exact time. He can become the player we saw him at Arizona State. And I think Cam, with a great coach and a great defense, Fence, you can see the Cam Newton we saw a few years ago. So I say the New England Patriots.
3: I say the Chicago Bears, and I've said this before. I like the Chicago Bears. I like Matt Nagy. I like them him as a play caller. I like the guys that they have around him. Um, Robinson, Gabriel, like they have pieces that he can go in, an organization and a franchise that has not really had that guy come in at that position and have success, and that they knew they were going to build around and then have some success with, I think Cam would be a great fit. All right, moving
0: on to Joe Burrow now. The projected number one overall pick had his hands measured at just nine inches at the Combine this weekend. No first-round quarterback has had smaller hands since 2008. Greg, the quarterback draft prospect most ready to start week one is blank.
3: Most ready to start week one. I mean, it's Joe Burrow because he's healthy. But yeah. I, if if there was a healthy Tua, yes, I would say. Yeah, Tua. but your answer's but Joe Burrow. <laughs> right, is so it, because, because he's, he's healthy. healthy. Yes, yeah, so I know. I'm just Listen, saying.
1: Tua should be the number one overall pick. I believe. No, he should not. He, he should be the number one overall pick, even though he's not ready to start week one. He's not ready to play week, year one. I don't think. So the answer is Joe Burrow. Like the it has to be because Joe Burrow's could play week one and I think probably will play week one for whomever drafts. him. almost assuredly Cincinnati tool on the other hand, I don't think we will see him all year. I think he's going to take a red shirt year, which would be the smart thing. So even though I would take him despite the red shirt year, the answer to this question is Joe Burrow. Joe
0: Burrow, NFL.com released their top 101 free agents. With Cowboys Dak Prescott and Amari Cooper, numbers one and three on the list respectively. But Greg will let you decide the most captivating free agent is blank.
3: I like Davian Clowney. Uh, With what he was able to do with Seattle Seahawks, uh, I like his ability to be a game breaker. When he decides, and he decided last year that he can do it every single play, He's something special, and I think any team that's able to wrap their arms around that and acquire that talent, they're going to be better off.
1: I think Clowney's a star. I think the knock on him in Houston was unfair for intermittent effort. He is one of the best run defenders at his yes. position, and football doesn't get credit for that. But to me, this is insane. It's an insane question. The most captivating free agent? The greatest football player of all time is a free agent. <laughs> so that is the most captivating free agent. I feel like maybe on this show we talk a little bit too much about Dax free agency. We cannot talk enough about Tom Brady's free agency. It is, to me, one of the most fascinating sports stories of the last five years that a quarterback who we so we can't even conceptualize him in another uniform, I believe is going to end up playing next season in another uniform. I don't think he's coming back to New England, and we are going to have franchises changed, multiple franchises changed by this one man's decision and unlike nearly all the other free agents, Clowney has this as well in his contract, can't be franchised so these other guys, you know, Dak's a free agent but maybe not really Right. Brady is a true True free free agent and he's the greatest quarterback anybody's ever seen, to me he's the most captivating I'm with you, I like that as well
0: Clippers hosting the Grizzlies last night. Kawhi Leonard finished with a game-high 25 points, eight rebounds. And Paul George was back from injury. Not a great night for him, just seven points. Clippers win, ending their three-game slide. So, Nick, this duo, Kawhi, PG, are they good enough to go to toe-to-toe with the other big duos in the league right now at this point?
1: No, I, I mean, I don't think they are because they you've got your best player in Kawhi who is the single biggest injury concern in the league. There's no other way. He he either doesn't really like playing basketball or they are so concerned about him being hurt, he is on, for the third consecutive year, an unprecedented load management setup. Two years ago, there was the controversy with San Antonio where they said, you can play, and he said, no, I cannot. Last year, he was a player coming off whatever that was who sat out 22 games without suffering during the season of major injury. And in the postseason, every series except for the first round, at different times it was Kawhi's laboring. Now, he didn't miss any games, but you saw it affecting him. And arguably his two worst playoff games were the games five and six of the finals, where he clearly was running out of gas. And now this year, he's been on a load management plan unlike anybody else. That's your best player. Your second best player is playing worse and less than any of the other teams second best player right like now Paul George we can I he had double shoulder surgery and then suffered a hamstring injury and last year was his best year as a pro he was I think third in the MVP voting so I'm not trying to disrespect Paul George just given where his body's at I have real concerns. So, one guy's an injury concern. The other guy is has been repeatedly injured this year. The team right now is a game and a half out of the five seed. No, I, I certainly don't think. Who are the best duos? LeBron and Anthony Davis? Giannis and Middleton? Harden are and Westbrook? I, to me, the, the Clippers are a clear fourth out of those four if those are your top four duos in basketball. So, no, I, I I don't think it's enough, but I've been lower on the Clippers, Sarah, than just about anybody, and we'll see if I'm right, but th- that's where I feel even after they were sensational last night.
2: Jenna, I'm going to answer your question. You said right now or at this point. Right. No, we can't say it just because I don't think we have a large enough sample size to even see exactly what they're going to be. They played 25 games together, 18-7 and seven during that time. I do think, though, as we project into the future and what it's going to look like in the postseason, the fact that our Understanding is that Kawhi Leonard is load management managing so much for the the anticipation that he will be healthy and ready to go in the postseason. We saw that last year in Toronto, and the same seems to be the plan going into this season. However, I think they have the potential to be one of the best duos. You look at LeBron James and Anthony Davis, who I think really are the clear-cut favorite of the best duos. But it, what surprised me most about not only those two but the team in general is. How how quickly they all came together. To me, anytime you have new pieces, new players, despite how good the fit seems on paper, you assume it's gonna take some time. For them, it took no time at all. They came out of the gates looking like they've played together for years. With Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, I think those two have a a fit because of the versatility, because of the position they play, that they can fit well together. I think they played so well on the court. So I believe that they will eventually be able to be toe-to-toe as one of the best duos in the league right now, though I agree with your assessment that they're right around third or fourth here in the league.
1: Well, So you got 25 games left in the season. And you saw Kawhi this weekend say talk about lack of communication. He thought Landry was going to cut to the basket. Landry went out for a three in a critical possession. I think it was 103, 103. Couple minutes yep. left. I. You've also added a bunch of pieces. Reggie Jackson, famously known for selfless winning player. Marcus Morris is a totally a emo, stable emotional force. They have been added to the team. Other guys' minutes are going to be. And Kawhi is going to miss. Time. And by the way, you do have, you're the Clippers, your toughest 10 days of the season coming up. Denver, Philly, at OKC, at Houston, and then the Lakers. Those are your next five. So we will, hopefully we see the team together and we see how they can play together because last night they were sensational. But I, I, I just want to add one other part of this. If they are the four seed, as they've been flirting with all year long, and Houston stays where they are, and you hit Houston, the Clippers in the first round of the playoffs, let's just say the Clippers win it. I don't know that I'd pick them to win it, but let's just say the Clippers win it. That'd be a long, tough series. You would then be getting, we would get Lakers Clippers. It would just be in round two instead of the conference finals. The Lakers would have likely come off their first time load managing all year. Final week of the regular season, Lakers ain't going to have to play at all. First round of the playoffs, they're going to have to play four games. So they will have a week off at the end of the regular season. Four games and then another week off, as rested as they've been all year, to potentially take on a Clippers team that for the first time all year, it's like, hey, guys, everyone's got to play. Uh, listen, I know it stinks. No extra, no, no PTO this week. Got to come in and the games are going to be hard. That's what they're setting themselves up for. I don't think that is going to end well for them.
2: And I will argue with you that they have played 32 games without Kawhi Leonard and Paul George playing together this season. They're third in the West. I think for most accounts, many would feel like they're underperforming from what we expected, and they're one game back of the number two seed, Denver. And so to me, I think there's a lot of optimism to think about what they can become in this final stretch and then once they hit in the post. And this final stretch is still 25 games for them to sort of figure it all
0: this out. This
1: next five is going to be real interesting. You play right. five of the best Schedules. teams in basketball. Uh,
0: there was one low light of the game we want to highlight. Paul George. What? What? On the fast break, forget to do the one thing you learn how to do when you're six years old. You know, dribble. One, What's two, three. What's the problem here? Well, What's I here? I think that they call it a travel. I, I, but I, I, when did he get, like, off the Yeah, down, I like it. I, I, little little step, step, what, step. I mean, no, but I feel like that's worse. legal. We've seen worse. But you feel like it's legal. Travel's yeah, I feel not like that's you legal. You are into the finger. You don't mind the you're traveling. You're the basketball. Jump yeah. you're Gather. You're a Yeah, yeah hold, on, hold
1: on. Show that again. Show that again. A gather? A Five. He doesn't have the ball. No. Now he has the gather. ball. The, the, other, the other clip is the better one because I do. When does he actually Watch. have possession? Watch. So he has possession Gap now. One, two. jump. Shh. You guys. Yeah. Please. I like it. What kind of counting is that? What do you mean? What type of counting is that? Five it, steps. No, no, no. I think that's legal. I'm on team Paul George on this, and he needed every I'm basket watching. he could get yesterday. What, are what you was Paul George about? Paul George seven had a rough game. To the it was seven. three of 11. I, if they call that, I mean now he's now he's two of 10. Oh, a, I know what it was you're a doing. Blowout. What am I doing? You're
0: joshing me. That's what you're doing.
1: Joshing you?
0: Yeah, that's what you're doing. I'm with it. How would you be with it? He's not with it. He may
2: be facetious. I'm with it. Thank
1: you. It's like a We got bit one who will on the desk. It ain't
0: me. Gotta
2: it ain't Janet Saracousta. I did. She play says it's
0: legal. Oh. Basketball, sophomore season in high school. My Give coach. You're a little more okay. lenient. Okay. Thank you for listening to the First Things First podcast. Remember, leave us a review and tell us what you think. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and catch us on FS1 Monday through Friday, 6.30 a.m. Eastern.